Oh captain, my captain. Oh captain, my captain. Oh captain, my captain. Oh captain, my captain. Welcome to <laughs> Have you missed that, Ricky? Have you missed that welcome? It's just like ticks this like part of my back where I'm like, oh, okay, I need to be up. We've not done this. We've not done this for nearly three months. So I thought I'd start it. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, let's Welcome. Do it. To... Shut up. Here we go. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing <laughs> it. I've already done it. This is already the start. Welcome to Oh Captain, My Captain, Series 3. Uh, nearly three months off. Uh, how are you, uh, Rukudzo? I am good. I am currently in Yeovil, loving every moment of life in Yeovil. But yeah, apart from that, I'm good. I'm good. I've been doing a bunch of gigs and damn, it's been like, it feels like it's been ages, but it's actually only been like three months. So what we've decided to do, and we've already spoken about this, is that this episode is just going to be me and you. So this is the first episode we've done where it is just me and you. So if you listen to this and you skip past the preamble, um, today you'll just skip to the end of the show because we've not seen each other, we've not really spoken, we've not gigged together or anything like that. So episode two next week will be the start of everything with the uh with the guest seat. what are you doing i can hear i can hear moving around i'm sorry i'm sorry i was drinking my coffee and it dramatically hit my mic <laughs> oh okay because we're not doing this uh so we can't see each other because as you just said you're in yeovil uh doing doctory stuff and your oh. wi-fi is rubbish uh weirdly for the very first time in months and months i am actually in my house <laughs> which is quite impressive this is genuine i know and but genuinely you know how much i was sort of around the country when we were recording the last series yeah, yeah i remember i've been like that ever since the last series as well this is this is my first time home properly since august Jesus, that is crazy. From yeah, then, yeah, no, it never stopped. Never stopped. No, it never stopped. Yeah, you're lucky to get me home today. Actually, you're lucky to get me home. It's been uh, it's been an absolute whirlwind. Um, which is why I think it's quite exciting to do this first episode, talking about what you've been up to because you've done some pretty interesting things, which I think were are really relevant to this podcast talking about some of the things I've done, which I think are relevant to this podcast, and then working out uh, what we're going to do and what sort of things we want to talk about over the nine episodes after today. So let's get straight into it. Uh, The first thing I want to know, you went to Edinburgh, right? Yeah, I went to Edinburgh um, at the end of August. Um. Tell me all of your first thoughts on the city itself, first of all, but then also the festival. Because the festival this year was a little bit different than normal. But yeah. I imagine for someone that never been to the Edinburgh Festival, it was still quite impressive. So talk to me about Edinburgh. 
it was really cool. It was like a really, so the city itself was ridiculously nice, like ridiculous. Like I applied to go to Edinburgh for uni um, and I didn't end up going, but like, I wish I kind of had because the city was just gorgeous. Um, the stand up, uh, I probably saw like, so I was there for like two days and I probably saw about 10 shows probably. But it was oh, quite, wow. Yeah, it was quite hard to time all of them because um, because obviously because of COVID and like people were, were doing kind of like a bridge stuff. So it was, I saw like little bits of some and a lot of them were like in pubs that people had just kind of like just decided decided to get started up. Um, like a really good one that I saw, uh, I forget his last name, but his name was Raul something. And he basically did this show where it was like called Raul makes it all up. And I, before I'd done stand up, I would have been like, oh my gosh, he's just making up humor on the spot. Wow, he's talented. And then I spoke to him afterwards and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, that was material. I was just looking for ways to fit it in with what people said in the audience. And I was like, ah, <laughs> I'm seeing behind the curtain. Um, <laughs> then I saw Daniel Sloss, which was the main reason that I went up. Um, and he was at the Corn Exchange. Uh, he wasn't really a part of the festival. He was kind of doing his own thing. Um, and yeah, that was really cool. It was like a massive room. People were loving it. And yeah, it was the first time I'd been in like a massive stand-up event post starting stand up and it was really cool to see it from an audience perspective because now that I've started doing it I very rarely actually watch just watch comedy when I'm not performing well also you have been through most of your comedy during a lockdown so yeah this was end of August when Scotland was only just coming out of some of its tighter restrictions so actually yeah. in the time that you've been doing comedy mostly most people haven't seen big gigs because there haven't been big gigs. <laughs> That's actually so true. I've seen so much more comedy than the average person in over the last year. <laughs> um, so you saw Slosh, you saw Rahul. Which, yeah. which sort of venues did you go to? Did you go to the Monkey Barrel? Yeah, yeah. So that was, it was that kind of area. I don't remember if I went to the Monkey Barrel specifically, but it was near where I was going. So it was like pretty small, pretty small venues. And like, there was this one that was like kind of underground and it was like a pub, but then like through the pub, there was like a stage at the back. I mean, it was like such a, I couldn't even figure out where I was going. Cause I was just like trying to find people who were selling tickets and just be as efficient as possible. So I wanted to see as much as possible. Um, anything particular blew your way in terms of what you watched? In particular? Um, yeah, so I saw, um, I saw this, these guys doing like 20 minute sets about different philosophical concepts. And it was just funny because it was like, they, they were just doing material that they'd written before and just fitting it into something vaguely philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just okay. Like, I was just like, ah, oh, fair. Let's, like, I think it was, I think his name was Alex Farrow. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I've, I'd met, I've, I'd gigged with him before, but I'd never probably met him. So I saw his name, and then I went, uh, and I went to see his show. And it was, yeah, it was just funny because I think, I think he was a philosophy teacher or something. So he, that was like the subject of his night. 
And yeah, that was that was really cool because like I thought it was going to be like a deep discussion about a bunch of stuff, but it ended up just being people talking about the usual dick jokes and relationship shit. Yeah, a lot of Edinburgh shows, a lot of people feel the need in Edinburgh to have a theme, to feel the need to have uh, something to hang their show off. Um, but often you're totally right. The material comes and then the theme comes later on. Um, yeah. It is also really interesting to have the the discipline, I suppose, the challenge of yeah. actually going, oh, okay, right, this is what I want to do. This is the story I want to tell. Let's yeah. now try and write material for that. And what often happens is you do your first year fitting all the best material you've ever had into your show <laughs> and then your second year a bit like second album syndrome you're like oh god i've used all the good stuff i've ever had and so your second hour that's the toughie that's the one yeah. where you're like oh okay right i've got to work a bit harder now yeah, yeah that makes complete sense yeah did it make you want to go to edinburgh next year like, did it make you want to do a show up there next year Interesting. So it made me want to see Edinburgh at full capacity and full running. I want to properly go. Okay. No question about that whatsoever. In terms of doing a show at Edinburgh, like an actual hour and stuff like that, it would be fun and I want to do it. But it sounds like absolute graft. Like the way people are describing it and running around with like change in their bags and the stress. It like, it's made me see it as, okay, so this is work. This is not just all la-di-da, we're having fun. I need to like mentally prepare for when I go up. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And also you're a while away from doing an hour, you know, so you go up and yeah. do 20 minutes. Uh, maybe even before your 20 minutes, like you said, you go up and, and watch again for you know, the month or a couple of weeks over the month and you, you see it, like you say, at full capacity. Maybe you jump on a couple of open spot shows up there and just to get the vibe of how it feels, I think is a very good way of starting your kind of Edinburgh Festival journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I definitely agree. Like I can see, like, cause you got to see a lot of like different levels to what people are doing. Like there was, and there weren't any open spot stuff running because of COVID like that I could see, but there was like a bunch of people doing 20 minutes and then people doing four hours and then Daniel, then Daniel Sloss doing his like basically an arena or whatever. And yeah, it, it's like the world of stand up all in one place in the world for a few days. Did it feel very white? <laughs> to feel very white well i mean it was edinburgh first of all <laughs> <laughs> but um another thing i didn't realize and i've been trying to figure out why there is a very thriving asian community in edinburgh as in like east asian like or there are so there's like a massive like um there's like a massive areas where they sell stuff like sushi and like uh, ramen and like there was this breakfast bar that did a lot of like different Chinese breakfasts and that was that was really cool so that was nice to get you know uh, a different flavor than the haggis or whatever is Scottish national food but like there was um there was not many people in the audience that were not white because like as many people kept pointing out um Edinburgh is basically just a festival of people from London 
Yeah, yeah, it can be. Yeah, although, actually, when you look at the stats of tickets sold, more tickets are sold. I think it's something like 80% of tickets sold are sold to people in Edinburgh, which really is surprising. Really? Um, but I suppose we don't see those normal people. We just kind of take those people, the Scottish people, for granted. They're the ones that tend to fill up the shows. But, but yeah, yeah, a big number of those are just good old-fashioned, normal people who live in Scotland. That's good. That's good. I wonder how many people in Edinburgh are from Scotland. Yeah, no, that is a very good point. That is a very good point as well. Um, so that was end of August. Uh, during August, actually, let's do it like this because uh, we've not seen each other and done this for most of August, all of September, and most of October. So let me do my August. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my my August. Um, my August was uh, twelve nights on the last leg for the Paralympics. Just before that, I did a warm up for a show with Catherine Ryan that's going on Amazon next year called Backstage with Catherine Ryan. And before that, I did uh, a show with Jimmy Carr. Um, I've done a couple of festivals. I did Reading Festival. Um, I, I got that last minute, literally on the Thursday night, and they needed me on the Friday day. Um, I did all day at Reading Festival, including when someone didn't turn up an extra hour while waiting for someone to turn up. Um, I did Green Man in the middle of August, which was absolutely amazing, um, including plugging Oh Captain, My Captain at midnight on the Sunday, where I basically tried to turn an audience member into a stand-up in the space of half an hour. <laughs> um, I think it... I think it were. I basically did a stand-up comedy course in half an hour... Um, at midnight at Green Man, which was a lot of fun. That's a joke. Um, and that was my August. My August was a uh, was a busy one. Yeah, a really, really busy one. <coughs> tell me about your September. Uh, so my <coughs> September. So I'll tell you from I'll tell you from uh, Edinburgh basically because Edinburgh is pretty much okay. like just after we finished the recording. So I went to Edinburgh. I'm literally looking at my diary now. I went to Edinburgh and I came back to uh, London, like near London, where I live, Bedfordshire, for my niece's birthday. Then I was there for a day. Then literally the next day, I um, took the train to Cardiff for uh, one of Robin Morgan's gigs. Um, that was like at this new one. And I don't know if I don't know if it's still running. I assume it is. It was like this new one at his like friends uh, venue. Then I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that one, yeah. And I got uh, and that was um that was one that was one of my first like paid ones of the of August. Then um did didn't do anything for a couple of days. Then on the following Thursday, I um went to London to do the up the creek gig at um. Uh, what's it called the blackout? Um, and okay, so stop, stop. Yep. Tell me about the blackout. Ah, oh, the blackout. Ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the blackout. It's actually it's a lot. I think if you're gonna do a gong show, the blackout is probably the best way to do it. 
it's that like because i even think because now now they're giving people two minutes grace instead of one minute and i even think that's probably too much like but it's you know it's still nice from an axe perspective but you know it was uh it was it was really it was really fun um it was uh i went up like at the end of the first half um i watched the people before me watched some of the people after me everyone was everyone was quite good and uh, they usually do a vote for who wins online, but they didn't do that this time. And at the end, Cake Curd just announced that I won. And I was like, oh, thank thank you. I don't know if this is fraudulent or not. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was quite a fun night. And I met a bunch of new like London comics and made some friends. And you won the blackout? Yeah, yeah, I won the blackout, yeah. I mean, how how do you how are you always so laid back about this sort of stuff? How <laughs> do you not kind of reveal this with like a big trumpet fanfare or something like that? Messina, <laughs> you won the blackout. The first time you did the blackout, you won the blackout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I won at the up up the creek on nineteenth of August. Yeah, it feels like ages ago now. It was uh yeah. I was I was surprised because I was lit- I've literally been watching. Cause like I've recommended the blackout to so many people who want to start stand up as like, don't watch Netflix. This is what you're aiming for. And, um, I, and so for me, I'd been watching them for ages, literally since I started. And so I wasn't expecting to do well, but then when I, especially after, especially after the King Kong at the comedy store and yeah, it went, it went quite well, which I was really lucky. I just, why are you so laid back? Why are you so chilled? <laughs> why are you not like, guess what, Oliver? Why did you not even build it into some sort of suspense or something? You just throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, the, and you don't want it. Like, come on, mate. Like, like yeah, I guess. It's- I mean, because... Because the thing is, when I now congratulate you, I now sound a bit patronising because I'm like, oh, mate, well done. And you're like, yeah, whatever. Thanks, mate. Like, <laughs> well done, Ricky Masindo. Thank you very Absol- much. Well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think it's because <laughs> I, I think we I think we spoke about it before, but I think I kind of said it in passing um, and we didn't really focus on it. But it was, yeah, it was a. Uh, it was just so, it was just so strange because like, I was so, I was so like negative about it after the gong show. Like I was like, I'm going to go do it and I'm going to try. Cause I'd booked it literally in May and they were so hard. It was so hard to get a spot, but I never thought that it would come out that I would actually win. So it was like, I was really help, happy about it, but I think it's probably for anyone listening who, you know, wants to do a gong show, I think it's probably the best one out there. I haven't done all of them, but of the ones I've done, I think they have the format down. And we probably should use this episode uh, because maybe people will listen to I Captain, My Captain for the first time on this episode because it's episode one of series Mm. three. People should probably go back and listen to the episode we did on competitions with Sakisa and Josh Jones because we talk about the show we talk about blackout gong shows and all that sort of stuff um maybe you pick something up consciously or subconsciously from this podcast that helped you do oh, well definitely. in that competition just oh, kind of definitely. listening to the experiences of other people who did it 
Oh, definitely. Um, definitely. Okay, so I know you're just about to tell me. Are you just about to say, oh, yeah, and then in late August, I was uh, I was nominated for a BAFTA in late August, <laughs> and I won that BAFTA. The goal is the blackout is the biggie, right? The blackout is the, the most notable achievements since we've spoken to each other, or are there more? Notable, yeah, notable in a, let me see. Yeah, notable in a, like, uh, as in I've achieved something tangible, but I've done, like, other stuff that I would say is almost as difficult. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Um, So, like, so for me, the, uh, the most, the gig that I prepped the most for in the, like, last two months was on the 30th of September. God, I'm perfect on these dates. Thank God for calendars. On 30th of September, <laughs> I went to Cardiff and I did the Glee at another one of um, Robin Morgan's gigs. And that was, that was like, mentally, that was a big deal for me. Cause I was like, I've got to kick this in the metaphorical or literal dick. We've talked about the Glee quite a lot. The Glee clubs are my favorite comedy clubs. Uh, Cardiff Glee. It's an amazing gig. Uh, Robin Morgan, again, who we've spoken to on here, episode number one of series one, actually, um, yeah. looks after booking the the shorter spots on a Thursday night. Yeah. And that's what you were doing on that yeah. 30th? Yeah, yeah, that was the one. Um, uh, were you paid? Were you given money or was it just an open spot? I know I was paid. I was paid. So, um, Brilliant. Yeah. That's, that's good been... news. That's amazing. Yeah, that's been the biggest change since season two, I would say, is that now completely perfectly timed. I just got a car because I was like, I'm going to Yeovil to, and I'm going to be driving every weekend. And now I'm starting to get gigs basically around the Southwest and random places in the UK. And I'm getting paid like bits of money for it. So that's the biggest change is that I'm, I've got like, so I'm averaging probably like two, um, one, two or three gigs a week, like ranging and like probably two of them will be paid like a bit of money. Amazing. Wow. And again, I'm going to use it. I'm going to do footnotes all the way through this, um, which is excellent. And you should really refer back to the episode with my accountant. <laughs> when, we do... <laughs> when we talk about this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love the Glee Club. I love Cardiff Glee. Um, how was the gig? Uh, it was, oh, wow. It was, um, so it was funny. So I turned up and met James, the uh, promoter for the first time. Absolutely lovely guy. Um, at the night that I was there, someone had just tested positive for COVID the night before. So it meant, like on their staff, so it meant that, um, and it was just James and one other guy at the bar running the whole thing on their own. So um, he told the audience and they were all, they were all cool with it. They were fine with it. <clears throat> um, so there weren't many of, there was a, so James was kind of constantly keeping like a few meters away from us just because he'd sent off his test and he was waiting to find out. And the audience, um, uh, there was about 40 to 50 of them in the Glee. So they just got rid of a bunch of the. Okay. Guys. So it was like, it, but usually Robin's nights, it was, so that was probably the third, third 
night or fourth night that he'd done that Thursday. So he said that it started at about 80, then went down to 30. Now it's starting to pick back up again. So yeah, so it was about, yeah, 40 to 50 people. Um, so they didn't have all the chairs out, I assume, but like it was just the ones that people were sitting in. And that was quite, that was quite. Fun. The Glee Club is, uh, the Glee Club's are really clever because the capacity of that room is about 400, about 410. Yeah. And they, they're really good at, it's a big space, but if it's not that busy, they're really good at bringing all the chairs close to the front of the stage. Yeah. Um, and basically turning it into a lovely gig, no matter how many people are in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's why it's like, it was because it's like, I think I've done so many. So I think probably at the end of season two, I was like in the late 20s of gigs. And now I've, I've just hit 55. So like I have done such a range of places and I have really seen how just the orientation of a room can affect what a night is like immensely. Like it is crazy. If you have a bunch of chairs out and the lights are on and the room isn't completely full, it is so much harder than if all the chairs are gone, the lights are off, everyone is packed together and it's just them in the room. One of the episodes that I want to do of this series, and I've already got plans, we've already got people booked in, but one of the ones I want to do is to talk to someone who has set up their own gig. So I want to yeah. talk to someone who has had the experience of setting up from a small room a successful gig that has grown to talk about exactly what you're just saying, how to run a gig. Because I think the next step for you, maybe not the next step, but it'll come is you running your own gig, you know, mm. and it's really fun and really good advice to hear from someone who has exactly what you said, known where to put the lights, known where to put the seats, known how to do the marketing, known how to cope when there's only one member of bar staff on, known how to cope when, <laughs> you know, you get a famous person and then you get 400 people, you know, all those sorts of things. So that's going to be on the list of shows that we do in Series 3, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, because I've done... <clears throat> so, I've, so since Series 2 finished, I've done... Uh, a few MC spots as well. So I... Oh, have you? Okay, so yeah. can we... Let's talk about MC in, in a moment. I've got yeah. one more, I've got one question yeah. for you about all these gigs that you've done. And I think you know... I think you know what I want to hear. <laughs> uh, you've done about... You've done about 30 gigs or so uh, since uh, the last time we did this. Yeah. What do you think I want to know, Ricky? Have I died? Come on, mate. Come on. Come I on. love that. This Come classic. On. Let me look through the list. The good stuff. Come on. This Let is what I want. Let me look through the list. This is what I want. Let me look to the to -do. Come on. Um, I definitely have had. Yeah. No, yes, I have actually. No, yes, I have. I'm thinking now. I remember. I've mentally blocked this out. Um, but yes, <laughs> I would say I have. Where? So it was, I don't remember the precise location, but it was um, near Reading. That's just how I wrote it down as near okay. Reading. Um, and it was, so it was, it was 
Morgan, you know, uh, so Morgan uh, is here. He uh, needed another 10 spot for a gig that he was doing um, for one of his mates at this pub. And um, it was outside. Um, I probably, before we got up, we all kind of knew it was going to be difficult. So uh, Morgan, so it was Morgan doing 20 interval, then me doing 10. And then um, someone else I don't remember was doing 20. So then Morgan did 20. Uh, he basically had to, so actually, no, let's start from the beginning. So the MC, which was, his name was Jonathan. I forget his last name. Uh, Elston. Yes, yes, him. Yeah, that was him. Yeah. So he emceed and uh, he, <laughs> so he was warming him up. And I, I don't think it was his fault or any anyone's fault, really. It was because it was getting cold. Everyone was like in their jackets. People were kind of eating food. And it was also this, this pub where there was an outside part that was massive, right? So it was kind of like a pub that was on its own. It was like in a small village near Reading. It's probably not even near Reading, but that's just how I wrote it down for whatever reason. But it was it was near Reading, let's say. And so there was loads of space, but there was like an outside part that was dedicated to just normal people at the pub. And they were all watching sport, just being loud, you know, just having a good time. Just having a good time. And then there was the actual gig, which was like next door, which was like next next to it. And we could see the people watching football. And then, so Jonathan was there, like warming them up, um, trying to get their attention, trying to pretend like there's no people watching football. And um, people were eating pizza, basically finishing their meals. And he, uh, people, people were like laughing, but they were just like, I think it was just trying to convince them that this was a thing that was happening. Like that was the the initial struggle. And so he he made jokes about how they were not really up for it and stuff like that. Then Morgan came on and um, he had, I think he had like, initially he had a similar problem, but then after a while they were starting to love him and they were really enjoying what he was doing. And he'd warmed them up, he'd built them up. They were having a good time. Then before I went on, I was like, ah, oh, this will be sick. Morgan's warmed them up. So, hey, this will be a great time. Morgan comes off. Then they have an interval, which was about 15 to 20 minutes. And then um, Jonathan goes up again. And they're like, they're, they're like, they were like at the beginning because now it's dark and it's cold and everyone's just like put on their jackets. And I was like, for fuck sake. So I went on stage after Jonathan introduced me and um, they were in, so at first I had them for a bit and then I completely lost them. Uh, there was like a solid, two, three minutes of maybe longer of my 10 minute set where there was no response, whatever. And then at the end, I kind of got them back, but not, not really. Like it was all, all of it really was like, they were just, they were just kind of like, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cheers. And then it was silent from like a big part of it. Then I went off stage and I was just like, damn, that was rough. Um, 
I think, yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, we all kind of knew it was going to be difficult, but I definitely struggled the most because the guy who went on after me, he had like, from what I could hear, he had like a great set. And that was the story. I love that. I love, uh, I love the fact that the audience came back to you as you were leaving. Um, Probably because they were just glad you were leaving. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah, I got a really good, re- got a really good response at the end. <laughs> well, as you, as you think about, yeah, 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 yeah. They started laughing when I said I'm done. <laughs> um, I'd be fascinated to know who. Try and make a note of uh, when you do these gigs of the headliners and the other people who are on, because I'd be really interested to know who went on after you and did really well. Because the fact of the matter is, that's a that sounds like a really challenging gig. Like, it sounds like a gig that any new act would struggle with a little bit. And one of the things that we know about comedy, and actually one of the things that my, my summer has taught me about comedy, and we'll get onto that in a moment, is... No, there is absolutely no uh, sort of replacement. The best advice in the world is just to do loads of gigs. Mm. And so the people who went on after you will have seen that challenging gig and in their brain gone, oh, okay, right, I've had experiences like this, you know, in 2017 and in 2010 and in 1998. And, oh, I remember that gig there and I did it. You know, and that's what happens. And Morgan Reese is you know, more experienced than you, but also not been going forever and ever and ever. So he will have more of those experiences, but not as many experiences as the comic that's been going 15 or 20 years. And we've all had those experiences. We've all had those moments where you're doing (laughs) a gig. And the thing that annoys you is other people in the same area having more fun than you are and your audience are. (laughs) (laughs) Can you not over there keep it down? You're enjoying yourself too much. We're trying to have a comedy night. Yeah, stop laughing. I'm being funny over here. Yes, exactly. Um, So it's it's absolutely something that... There there are definitely gigs that are unplayable. There are definitely gigs that are almost impossible. Um, But there are also gigs that look unplayable and look impossible to someone who is quite new. But when you've done those gigs four or five times and the first two times you don't do very well, the third time you work it out, the fourth time you do better, the fifth time you go, oh, okay, I know what to do. I know the the little gears I have to go through to to get this audience on my side. And it just comes down to stage time. That's all yeah. it is. So I'm glad you've had that experience because the next time you have the experience will be a little bit better. And the next two times after that, you'll, you'll work it out and it'll be fine. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, it was a fun experience. <laughs> it, was, it was a fun experience. Um, talk to me about MC in, please. This is so much fun. I'm loving this. I'm yeah. loving getting through everything that you've done. So MC in. MC MCing. Um, so, so uh, I think during series two, I went to Exeter um, to do the Phoenix, uh, Charlotte Evans. Shout out to Charlotte. Yes. She, 
Yeah, yeah. So she, uh, so I did, I did fifteen. I probably did like seventeen minutes there or something. Like just, just it was, it was just a very chilled gig. Um, he basically pays a bunch of like um, uh, newer acts to just do as long as they want and just have fun. Um, and I did that. It was good. It went well. And then she, <laughs> I did that with Danny Jones as well. Shout out to Danny. I know you listen. And um, she asked or me, DJ. Deej, she asked me to come back and MC because she wanted to do more sets, and she uh, was she just she died. I guess she, I don't know. She doesn't like like MCing, or she just wanted me to do it, or like she just wanted me to come back or whatever. Um, that, which I was very appreciative of, and that was like two months in the future. So it was like on the thirtieth of August or something. <clears throat> so then. So then I told Alex Kitson, a lot of shout outs in this one, shout out to yeah. Alex. Um, and he uh, was like, oh, well, I'm going to want to take a night off of uh, TNA, this next act at some point. So if you want to practice emceeing before that, um, you feel free to come down. Then I was like, oh, that's great. So then on the 8th of August, I believe I emceed this next act. And Alex, uh, I think he was doing, he was working on his work in progress. Um, <clears throat> so I did that and that was ridiculously fun. Like harder, but easier than sets. Like it's, it was so, it was weird because so, uh, I, so Alex picked most of the spots, but I think Farouz had to drop out cause he had his vaccine and he had like he had a reaction, so he was feeling ill. So then I had to pick some other people and I picked some other people to do the night and that that part of it was fine. But it was so weird because I, I didn't know any of the people that were going on. So I was just, I was just trying to guess the levels of everyone going on to know how to entertain the audience or how to prep the audience, if you know what I mean. Cause I, I didn't know if the next person coming on was an absolute killer or if the next person coming on was on their second gig. So I was just trying to like make the order as good as possible to fit it. Um, and yeah, I just literally, it's just the standards of what you're expected to do when you're an MC are so different to sets. Cause it's like certain things that you do are just in t are just funny because they're not expecting you to necessarily be funny. Like I literally had someone come up to me and like ask me if I was a comedian after the night. And I was like, mate, <laughs> 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 like, what do you think this is? Uh, just to let you know, Ricky, uh, that never ends. That never stops. <laughs> Never. I, I still that. get it. I was like, oh, you should think about doing a. You you should think about doing this. You know, <laughs> you're all right at this. You should be one of the comedians. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, and it's just yeah, it's, and it, but it's also it's kind of nice because it's because because I guess because people don't see you as one of the acts just having a chat with people and being accidentally funny or purposefully funny, it kind of catches them off guard. So they're not necessarily expecting you to be like, uh, like joke, 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 joke. Like the advice Bert uh, Williamson gave me before we went on was literally like, um, that just, you don't know, don't almost don't try to be too hard to be funny because really your job is to just be the audience's friend and be entertaining. 
but don't focus too much on just trying to give out punchlines, which was quite helpful. Yeah, yeah, no, it's absolutely, you're the link between the audience and the act, the link between the audience and the club. Um, in the same way with TV warm-up, and as you know, I am uh, absolutely loathe to give people any advice about TV warm-up because I'm keeping all of that <laughs> for myself. Mwahahaha. But um, I always think, I always uh, ask the floor manager, I'm always up. I'm happy to do health and safety. I'm happy to tell them to turn their phones off. I'm happy to do fire exits. And one of the reasons I do that is because I lower the audience's expectation. And then when I am funny, they're like, oh, shit, he's funny. And, you know, yeah. that's kind of, that's where that comes from, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so you've emceed as well. Oh, well, this is brilliant news. And we are speeding through uh, this chat. Um, uh so you've emceed, and have you done a couple since then, or just those two? I've just done, I've just done two. So I also emceed the one in Exeter as well, uh, and that was in like the Phoenix, like proper indoor theatery bit. And how did that feel? That was good. That was good. It was, um, <clears throat> it was, um, yeah, it was, it was weird, like as as a room at first because. Like this next act is a lot more intimate, and that audience is just so lovely that they yes they are just the most friendly for whatever reason I don't know what it is but they're just the most friendly regardless of who's there on the night so it was like it was the they were more difficult to warm up and they and they were they were also older as well so there was uh it was less easy to get on their level. Um, but yeah, apart from that, it was like, it was really nice. And it was a really nice gig. It was also um, uh, Reardon DJ's first gig back as well. And I got to see him do stand up properly for the first time ever. Someone I have so much in common with. Yeah, absolutely. The white Ricky Macindo, we call him. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, okay. Um, so, so that's sort of taking us up to with the glee at the end of September. Is that kind of taking us up to now? We've covered your gig doing badly. We've covered MCing. We covered the blackout. We've covered uh, getting paid to do a Thursday night at the Glee. Have we missed anything? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I've, there's been other gigs, obviously, in that time because there's been loads. But yeah, that's basically it. Um, the biggest change in my stand-up-iness now is that I'm driving everywhere now. So like last week, so on Friday last week, I drove, drove to North Taunton, uh, which is a place that exists. And um, <laughs> I, yeah, I did a gig there uh, for a, like, it was a charity one for uh, St. John's. Um, and yeah, that was nice. Got paid a bit of money for that. It was a very strange gig because the audience was so, so, so drunk in such a profound way that I have never seen. Oh, wow. Like crazy. Like, but it was half the room was absolutely off their face. And then the other half was like so well behaved, like they were at church. And I literally just pointed that out when I went on stage and I just didn't, I did, I, so I did like 15 minutes, but I just did very little material. I did like a third of what I planned to do 
because I just was talking to all of them and just trying to figure out what was going on in this little village. Do you, uh, firstly, I have to say, we'd be driving next week's episode, so the, the episode two of this series, uh, our first guest of this series is going to be Andrew Bird. And I'm really excited about Birdie because he's an amazing comedian, uh, but he is also the tightest man I know <laughs> with money. Um, and now that you're uh, driving, Birdie will almost definitely have hints and tips of places to park near comedy clubs where you don't have to pay money for the parking. So, <laughs> um, so get ready with your notepad for next week. I definitely will. I definitely will. That'll be very useful. Um, for me, my lots of warm up, lots of other stuff. For me, my main sort of focus in the last two months has been on uh, the BBC New Comedy Awards. Oh yeah, uh, I am a cons- I am a consultant producer. Uh, we're recording this on uh, Tuesday, the nineteenth of October. Um, so you'll get this on Saturday, I think. Um, but on Tuesday, the nineteenth of October, the six regional finals dropped. Um, on iPlayer, um, and then they're going out on BBC One as well. And then we're recording the final um, on the 3rd of November. So all of those episodes are now out for you to watch. Um, So when you finish this, you can just relax um, in your digs and you can just watch those episodes uh, from uh, Swansea, Croydon, Wolverhampton, Halifax, Port Rush and Dundee. Um, and yeah, and my job was consultant producer. My first producer credit, which I'm very excited yeah. about. I watched 1,127 clips of comedy. Uh, I helped them whittle it down to the showcases. And we did six showcases at the beginning of um, the beginning of September in Bristol, in Greenwich, in Up the Creek, actually, in Belfast, in Manchester, and in Edinburgh. Um, so for the last two months, I have watched so many new comedians. Yeah. It's been unbelievable. An amazing experience, but absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that must be crazy. So what, was it the... So it, what are the levels? Like it's showcase and then regional heats? Like what, take me through how that works. So, so the very first level was the clips that came in. Um, 1,127, uh, 93 hours of Jeez. stand-up I watched. Stand-up and digital comedy I watched. Uh, 93 hours, and that was my August, basically. Um, I was doing other shows in the evening, but yeah, pretty much 10 hours a day, I was working my way through uh, through bits of stand-up. What was and that then like? we sort of whittled that down to... Probably, it was! Like, what was the it was fascinating. Like? It was amazing. Um, it was astoundingly mixed. But you can't say... It's 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 impossible to say it's it's a standing mix from people who were incredibly experienced to people who were incredibly new. Because although that is true, there's also the 
it's incredibly mixed from people that knew loads about stand-up and so were excellent and people who didn't know much about stand-up who weren't excellent. But sometimes the people who didn't know much about stand-up were also excellent. Some pe- Sometimes mm. the, the people who did their videos in clubs and they'd done their five minutes in proper gigs weren't as good as the 18-year-olds recording their first ever gig in their bedroom to send off the clip. Um, mm. The range was phenomenal in in every regard. You know, there were, in terms of diversity, uh, we did a showcase in Bristol uh, for the Wales and West, um, and there were 14 acts on that showcase, 12 women and two men. Um, the showcase we did in London, um, we had 17 acts, four were white, everyone else was um, black or Asian. Um, so, so we had such a range of abilities, of styles, of um, experiences, of everything, and we managed to to find a really nice bunch to do the showcases. So we were able to see people in the flesh, and then we were able to see people um, at these regional finals. And so we did nice. six of those. Um, and we did those six over the last couple of weeks. And like I said, they're on telly from today. Very nice. Very nice. I'll definitely check them out. And my only, and again, it's really boring. I think this, this could be the, this could be the series of, uh, Oh Captain, My Captain, where, where I just repeat the same thing every (laughs) single show, which is, Every time I saw a clip, every time I saw a comedian, every time I saw a showcase or regional final and someone asked me for advice or feedback, it's literally just, you just want to gig more. <laughs> like you literally go. So obviously not everyone got through, but of all those people that didn't get through, I wanted to just send them all an email saying, you just have to gig more. If you gig more, it'll be fine. When we did the showcases, and obviously we only had 30 people going to the regional finals, I wanted to say all those people who didn't get through to the regional finals from the showcases, this is not a criticism. It's an observation that you just might need to be gigging a bit longer. Just gig a bit longer or gig more, you know. And that really is, uh, that's that's the heart of comedy, which you probably know, actually. You probably are feeling this that you probably feel on this Tuesday, the 19th of October, 2021, (laughs) you probably feel a better comedian than you were the last time a podcast went out on the 6th of August, 2021. You probably feel after doing a bit of emceeing, Mm. after having the confidence of winning the blackout, after doing a big room like the Glee, after having that nonsense gig uh, (laughs) with a, uh, a pub beer garden enjoying their beer garden more than the comedy all of those experiences i'm guessing make you feel better as a comic oh yeah un- undoubtedly like because i haven't done in the last two months i haven't done that much writing like i've got a couple new lines and stuff like that but i'm basically still just trying to figure figure out my 15 minutes and like so the material itself hasn't changed that much necessarily but the the funny part of it has changed like just just 
I just realized what is funny about what I'm saying and doing more now than I ever have before. Like I didn't really, I, I mean, I guess it literally is like the comedic voice thing. Like I have a better idea now of what makes me funny than I ever have. And yeah, like I can better describe myself as a comedian than I could in our episode with Finn. <laughs> and next time, and and again in this series, I think we'll, we'll talk. We'll try to talk to someone who is a proper writer, a proper gag writer, a proper joke writer, because your next step is to then turn over your material because your material is good at the moment. But when you turn it over, it will become even better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just getting that writing done. I actually really enjoy writing as well. It's just one of those things where you just have to force yourself to sit down and write. Masindo, it is good to be back. I'm so excited about um, gigs. I'm so excited about all the diversity thing, actually. Again, we've not even had time to talk about that. But I think there's going to be some really interesting things happening in Bristol and interesting things happening... Uh, around the, the the amount of women that were in the Wales and West Showcase, 12 women and two men, has made me realise that we go from a situation where there aren't any black and Asian comics in Bristol to, oh, actually, I can see them coming. I can yeah. see them building up. I can, you know, and, and, and I've got things to talk about with that. We need to talk about those on, at length on episodes, about quotas, about, our quota's good, our quota's bad. We need to talk about more diversity things. I want to talk about names. I want to talk about um, people using their real names um, rather than names that they think compares can say. I want to <laughs> talk about. I want to talk about. I want to talk about everything and anything over the next nine episodes uh, of this series. I think we go up literally to Christmas Day, so we'll do a Christmas uh, an episode about Christmas gigs as well. But we'll be going back every Saturday, am I right? So we'll you'll put this yeah. out on Saturday. Yeah, 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 most likely Saturday. Yeah, but and you're a busy mo uh, mofo because uh, doctoring stuff is coming in, and I've also got a couple of episodes lined up specifically about you and your life. I've got a couple of doctors, a couple of medics uh, <laughs> that I want to talk to as well about joke. juggling that experience. Um, and we'll just go. We'll just go onwards and upwards, right? We'll just yeah. go. I, one of the other things about doing all of this stuff with newer comics is that I've had a lot of love uh, for uh, Oh Captain, My Captain from people who have listened to it. So so thank you, all the people who I have met who have said, uh, at the showcases, at the regional finals, who have said that they've listened to this, uh, this, this podcast. So thank you to all of those people. Um, I take all of your... Uh, your comments about the type of episodes that we want to do or you want to hear. Um, we're going to do all of those over the next 10 weeks. Yeah. And I thank, thank you to everyone who listens as well. Uh, I've had like a couple times while I've been gigging, like in London, when I had like really open mic stuff where people have met me, they didn't recognize me. And then I spoke, they didn't recognize me, but then they heard my laugh, which I've now been told is very distinctive. And that is, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, so now I'll just laugh in a room of people and see if they know Captain by Captain. Brilliant. Um, 
This was episode one. Episode two will be out next Saturday. I hope you enjoyed this one. Do not worry. These will be incredibly rare, um, indulgent experiences uh, between the Masindo and the Ulva. Um, they will be indulgent in different ways, I am sure, coming up. But this is the only one where it will just be the two of us. But we needed to get everything settled and work out uh, what's happened in the last couple of weeks and months so we can then go forward over the next couple of weeks and months. Perfect. See you all later. Masindo. I'm so excited. I'm so excited about all those things. I, I want you to die a bit more. Don't listen to it, but uh, I want more death um, We will speak. Uh, we will speak soon. Yeah, see ya. Goodbye. Goodbye.